0: So get your red hymnal. And uh, number 226, 226. seeing number 100. Please do be seated. Well, I'm glad y'all are here tonight, and uh, uh, get your Bibles if you would. It doesn't surprise me we're down. I, I knew that um, some folks were traveling, obviously, but just so many prayer requests for health There's different people, uh, so look around, see who's not here. Let's lift them up. Lord knows, and uh, but it's good to be in the Lord's house. Glad y'all are here. Amen and uh, glad for heat. Amen. There you go. Amen. Somebody had to be happy for me. I will say this. It, um, this message here is, uh, especially for the young men, I would encourage you to get one of these. It's kind of an outline, in a sense, of Second Peter, uh, and uh, it's the entire book. And so I'm going to preach an entire book tonight, all right? But you'll see why here in just a second. Um, so if you will, go to Second Peter. Let's all turn there. Second Peter. Second Peter chapter one. The Bible says, "Simon Peter is servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of our and of Jesus our Lord." Father, we love you. We thank you for the privilege to sing your praises tonight. We do uh, just thank you for the health that we do enjoy to be able to fellowship together. Father, just pray that you bless our time together. Be with those who are apart from us. We pray for safety uh, for those who are traveling. We just uh, pray for Amanda and her surgery tomorrow. We pray for those uh, just uh, who have tests, uh, the results they need to know, those who are just the cold, makes it difficult for them to get out. We do pray for those who might be sick, Lord. We just pray, put your healing hand upon them. And Father, just restore us again uh, into this place that we might come and worship and serve you. Father, we love you and we thank you now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Uh, I was uh, looking at this text, and um, and uh, one of the things I like to do when studying my Bible, I've, I've done it this last week, is I kind of reviewed. How many of y'all know how to outline a sentence? Got a few English majors here, outline a sentence. Can I tell you? that I didn't learn how to outline sentences until I was in graduate school, and we didn't outline English, we outlined Greek. <laughs> and so I'm, the only reason I'm saying that is um, they gave us the tools, if you will, to take and to break a text down and take and to understand things. And I, 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 I picked up a book this last week, was looking through it, and, 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 it, and it just reviewing about how to do that. And the reason I say that is it's one of the best tools I've ever been given to take and to actually understand what the Bible is saying. You know, the sad truth is we live in a world of ignorance. I've been touched by that this week about how personally ignorant I am. There's so many things that I don't know. Have you, ever, have you guys tried to come to terms with that? I don't care how much you know, we're ignorant about more than we know. And, um, and in a sense, that makes it, and we'll, I'll make a point of this here in a moment. But that makes it so that everybody on earth is living by faith in one way or another. Why? Because you just can't know everything. You know, there's a lot of times people are afraid because they don't know. And, and you know, uh, you, you watch what's going on in the Middle East. And I've been doing all I can to get my mind around some of that and to try to, you know, to, uh, show from the Word of God some of those things so that we might at least have uh, an understanding that God knows. Aren't you glad God knows? I am. And, uh, and so, if you will, um, I, the Lord just uh, directed me to this text here tonight for this. And so, I, I just pray that this would be an encouragement to you. I've entitled this uh, message tonight, Growing in Knowledge. And the Bible says, Growing in Knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, how important it is, especially in the last days, because you will see here momentarily that the book of Second Peter is a last days book. If, if you're going to study one, maybe you should study one that God says, this is going to apply in the last days. Well, Second Peter certainly does that. We are living in the last days. I uh, listen. I don't think we have anything to be afraid of. God's in control, and uh, and God knows. But uh, I do believe that in the last days we might want to be aware of some things. Because I got to tell you, it looks like in very many ways the world's just slipping off of its uh, pegs, (laughs) doesn't it? I mean, you got a whole bunch of college students out there misbehaving about things that please take this the right way, they don't understand. Now, I I used to be a college student, so you'll give me the benefit of the doubt here. College students think they know more than they really do. And to be quite honest with you, they're very ignorant, and they're very malleable, they're very manipulatable. And would to God that you could go up and just say, can I tell you something so that you don't make these terrible decisions that you're making and some of the things they're doing? I've, I've, I've got to be honest with you, I've been very touched by that here the last couple of weeks, just looking at some of the young people and just how poorly led that they have been by our society. And it breaks my heart. And so I want to talk about growing in knowledge. You see, the Bible talks about, uh, if you will, if you think about this, uh, you, uh, some of us are old enough to remember the AB, ABC, uh, uh, you know, the whole, the, the, oh. it was on cartoons on Saturday morning. Uh, anyhow, they used to tell you about the Constitution, about conjunction, junction, and all that. You guys know what I'm talking about now. And one of the things that they had, one, was knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. And uh, God obviously knew this principle for success when he wrote this word, okay? And so Christians face a powerful foe. The Bible says he walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's given us a difficult task. He tells us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And I will tell you this you start witnessing to the people, they'll have more questions than you have answers, okay? And so he's given us a difficult task, if you will. And then we're working with defective tools. And I I don't want to criticize you all here, but it applies to me too. Would you go to 1 Corinthians, please, and see the kind of tools that God's working with? Keep yourself here, because like I said, we're going to preach the whole book if you can hang on. We'll get through it as fast as we can. But First Corinthians... Uh, chapter 1, and uh, go to verse uh, 27. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27. The Bible says, But God hath chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Unless you don't understand, he's talking about us. Okay? We're the foolish. All right? And so the Bible says, But God hath chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of this world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of this world, and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, the things which are not, to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should gro- glory in his presence, amen. And please take this the right way, but he didn't send, if you will, the world's best and brightest, he sent us. I'm not trying to criticize us, but God's saying this, if, if you think little of yourself, good, because now I can use you. See, he can't use the high and the mighty, and he can't use those who don't need to learn anything, and he can't use those who are sufficient in himself. He says, I've chosen the weak, and, and if you will, the unworthy to take and to serve me, and that's who we are. And so if you will, I, I think we need to embrace that. God's the one that put it in his word, amen. The Bible says in verse 30, it says, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And so what we need to do in this world is stop worrying so much about us and start worrying more about what we know about him. Okay? And so go back to our text now, if you will. Second Peter chapter one. And I really am gonna preach all three chapters, but I'm just gonna hit the outline and I will say this, I have printed the outline. And if anybody wants to go back and study it for themselves, I've got a few on the back table. If there's not enough, we'll throw them in the copy machine and give you more, okay? Now, some of you all might have the tools to do this for yourself. But I will say this, that uh, this literally is just an outline, okay? And an outline, um, if you don't know, it gives you, if you will, a guideline to take and to understand the Word of God. You know, a lot of times we're all guilty of just reading the verses, a lot of times we just flip through the Bible, you know, as they even sell books. If you're feeling sad, go to this verse. If you're feeling, if you're needing wisdom, go to this verse. And, they, and so they even, if you will, a lot of people uh, encourage us to just bounce around in the Bible and God says, read the book. You know, if you think about this, books have a theme. Books have a unity. Amen. Uh, books have a message. Amen. And when we look at this, we are looking at a book. We're looking at a letter. We're looking at a complete thought, okay? And so by outlining, it just takes and it organizes God's complete thought. And it gives it its main points, its subpoints, points, and, and, and takes it points at what God wants us to understand. And so let me say this <coughs> without reading. Um, in chapter 1, he tells us to grow in knowledge of our Savior Jesus Christ, Okay. And so, chapter 1 teaches us to grow in knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, is Abigail in the back? Yeah. Could you give me a water, please? Thank you. Um, uh, and so, if you will, grow in the knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And he tells us what the benefits are. Look again. We read verses 1 and 2, but look at verse 3. The Bible says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption corruptions in the world through lust. So what are the, the benefits? Verse, uh, verse 2 talks about grace and peace, all right? Grace and peace. And if you will, grace is all things that we're grateful for as a Christian. Think about this. Is it, would it be good for us every once in a while to just stop and say thank you to God for all the good things in our lives? And and, uh, here a little while back in Civil Air Patrol, we teach character development, and uh, we're trying to teach young people how to have characteristics that will make them successful in life. And one of the things we taught two months ago was gratitude. And, And we just said, sit down and write five things that you're thankful for. And can I just tell you, that's a good practice. By the way, we were trying to talk to them about journaling, and, and so write down five things that you're thankful for. Can I tell you, if you're in the habit of sitting down every day, and maybe you write them down, maybe you don't. But, you know, we all know what our problems are. We all know what grieves us. We all know what we're concerned about. We all know what puts fear in us. We all know what puts loneliness in us. But wouldn't it be good, as a blessing, to just sit down and say, you know what, I'm thankful for this, I'm thankful for this, I'm thankful for this. And by, by the way, usually if we were to have a Thanksgiving service, here's how it would go, and I'm, I'm not criticizing, but by and large we would say, well, I'm thankful for my wife, I'm thankful for my kids, thank you for my grandkids, thank you for our health, I'm thankful for our church, amen? And can I just say this, just about everybody in the congregation could say that, but I will tell you, it would be good if we could take and we could meditate on some things outside the box, you know, I don't, I'm thankful for the shoes I put on every day, um, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, shoes were a big deal. Uh, Most of my new shoes had string between the eyelets. You know what I'm talking about? Let's see if how many old people here. You guys know what I'm talking about? No? Well, you're not even familiar with the store we're talking about. Because Kmart used to sell all their shoes in bins. Okay? Kmart was before Walmart. And all the shoes didn't come in boxes. They came in bins. They would dump them in there and you would pull out your size and they would be held by a piece of string. <laughs> okay. That's my whole point. You don't have to put up with this stuff. You should be thankful. <laughs> okay. Because now shoes are comfortable. They don't hurt your feet. You know, We used to test them. You know, and the first thing your mom would say, well, see if they're fast. Remembering that there's a piece of string between these two shoes. Know what I'm talking about? Can I just tell you, it's nice going and buying shoes in a box. <laughs> okay, And so little things like that are things that you could just stop and say, you know what, Lord, I'm thankful for this. You know, we can take, take and, and, and be thankful. The Bible talks about it, we're thankful for the grace, and then we're thankful for the peace. You know what peace, I, I, I looked that up, and the word peace is the quietness of mind that we can have in a troubling world. I ask you a question, any of y'all, your mind runs a little bit and it kind of ruins your day. I think we all know what I'm talking about, right? And especially if you give yourself over to it, worry, doubt, fear, uh, loneliness again. You think about all those things. You know, the Bible says grace and peace. When we get the knowledge of Jesus Christ, he gives us grace and peace. So grace is the things we're thankful for. Peace is that peace of heart that only God can give us. I got to be honest with you that there's nothing better when God can take all the excitement of your world, all the stress and all the tension of your world, and you can just meditate on Him for a minute and think, I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be all right. Y- y'all know God's in charge, right? And in that nice, even in the chaos of this world, you can stay and you can have that peace that passes all understanding, okay? And so, what are the benefits of knowing Christ? Well, grace and peace, okay? And uh, like I said, these are best enjoyed if we actually take the time to meditate on them. Meaning what? I mean, stop and sit. Make it a practice. You make it a practice to pray. You make it a practice to read your Bible. Make it a practice to stop every day and just think about the graces in your life and the peace that only God can give. Amen. That's a benefit of knowing Jesus Christ. The second thing that we see is is in verses 5 through 9, is what should this inspire us to do and these are familiar verses but in verse 5 the bible says and besides this giving all diligence add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge to virtue uh, knowledge temperance temperance patience and to patience godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and brotherly kindness charity okay and so what should it inspire us to do it should inspire us to be more like him The more that we know Jesus Christ, the more that we should want to be like him. Y'all want to be like Jesus? I don't you think about this? They were mocking him. They were deriding him. They were spitting on him. Can I ask you a question? Can we just stop here for a second? Somebody starts laughing at you. What's your first response? Anger. Anger, yeah. Is that a natural response? But natural is another way of saying a fleshly response, Right? How many of y'all like getting spit on? You got people who are not fighters that you get spit on, you might want to take a swing? (laughs) Y'all with me? What did Jesus do? Jesus looked at him and he had compassion on him. He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I don't know about you, but I'd kind of like to add to my faith to the point where I could be a little bit more like him every day. And I don't know about you, but I need to be more like him because I, I, I'm i the same way. I don't like being laughed at, and I don't like people spitting on me or abusing me. Amen. And so the Bible tells us that we should try every day to add to our faith, to, to become a little bit more like Jesus, to become truly fruitful. Look what the Bible says in verse 9. The Bible says, But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Excuse me, verse 8. I wrote that down wrong. It says, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I want to have a fruitful Christian life. I want, I want to be a spiritual Christian life. Amen. I want, I want to be a soul winner. I want, I, I, I want to be more like Jesus on the day that I died than the day that I got saved. Amen. And, and so if you will, add to your faith, become fruitful, and then it gives you security of mind. What? Well, When I'm more like Jesus, I got more confidence that I'm going to heaven when I die. I didn't make this up. Look what it says in verse 10. Verse 10, the Bible says, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and your election sure. Is he talking about your salvation? Now, how many of y'all, when you got saved, got everlasting life? Praise God. Anybody here ever been troubled about their salvation? Everybody's going to... By and large, if you're honest with yourself, you're going to shake your hand. You've had a bad day every once in a while. You're like, man, I don't even know if I'm a Christian. Well, can I just tell you this? If you add to your faith and become more like Jesus every day, you know what it does? It gives you more confidence that you're a child of God. And I don't know about you, but there's nothing better than knowing. Amen? I, I will tell you the best relationship I have in this world outside of my relationship with the Lord is my relationship with my wife. And I gotta tell you, early on, we we were married for seven years, and our relationship was still kind of rocky. We were saved. We were just learning how to love each other, you know. And um and we had dated for five years. We'd been together for twelve years. Twelve years, and we still, you know, just kind of, you know, are we gonna make it? We're we gonna make it. And and I would tell you this, the more that the Lord has conformed me to be like him the less I've had to even worry about my relationship with her. I don't worry about my relationship with her. and she, I don't think she worries about her relationship with me. We're, we're just at that point now. We know we love each other. Okay? And I haven't said that. I'll still buy her flowers. <laughs> if she wants them. There you go. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> my whole point is I'm saying I'm not done working on our relationship. I'm just saying... That I got to be honest with you, I, I feel sorry for families that there's not that solid knowledge. Amen. And would to God, I will promise you this, you work on your relationship with Jesus, it'll take care of your relationship with your spouse. Amen. Okay. So what are the benefits, grace and peace? What should it inspire us to do to be more like him? What should be our goal? Think about this. What should be our goal in getting to know Jesus better or knowing more about Jesus? Look what it says in verse 12. The Bible says, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and you be established in the present truth. He says, Yeah, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off my tabernacle. You know what he's saying? He said, I'm going to spend every day trying to make you know more about Jesus, okay? And so he says, here's the benefit I receive from becoming more like Jesus. And it's my burden now is to make you more like Jesus every day. So as parents, what should we want to do? We should want to be more like Jesus so that they can know more about Jesus, amen. And when we go to our lost friends and family, folks, this is, uh, this is the season when we start traveling to different relatives, okay? And uh, how many of y'all have in-laws? Y'all have in-laws? Okay, three of us. How many of y'all then have outlaws? Okay, okay, there you go. <laughs> and I will tell you this: that, you know, quite often people make fun of that, but these holidays can be a real time of of tension and stress. But boy, if you if you've spent some time to know Jesus more and say, "Lord, give me the opportunity to let them know Jesus more," Amen. And so, if you will, it, it just puts that in us. And so what are the benefits? Grace and peace. What should it inspire us to do? Be more like him. What should be our goal? To pass it on to the next generation. And then why do we have such confidence that we can know him? I want you to think about this. You know, a lot of people think it's arrogant to think that you can know the God of creation. And I'm going to ask you a question. How many of y'all know the God of creation? Well, God tells us that we can. And then he says this. Know this. You can know me. You can know me, okay? I, I'll be honest with you. I, you know, Human beings sometimes don't even know themselves, okay? But God is saying, you can know me. Why? Well, because I've given you a, a more sure word of prophecy. Where until you do well to take heed has a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise. And by the way, Jesus is the day star. Arise in your heart. And what he's saying is, he says, I've given you a Bible. I've given you a sure word. You can have confidence in it. You don't have to question it. When you take and you read about it, when you read that, you're reading about me. Amen. I'm studying a book right now uh, about astronomy. Astronomy has always fascinated me. I've always regretted I didn't take it as a class in college. And, uh, you know, Psalm 19, verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament, the expanse, that's where the stars are. His handiwork, okay? Meaning what? That all you got to do is walk outside and you can know there's a God. Amen, okay? Well, we got something more that gives us more confidence in that. Amen? We have the Word of God. Now, am I preaching stuff you already know? Probably. Praise the Lord. But how many of us sometimes forget these things? Can I just tell you? He says... "I." We'll see this here in a second. I put you in remembrance of these things, okay? Why? Because every once in a while we've got to remember what is our priority, what is most important, what is most important. And folks, after salvation, really, honestly, the most important thing is to know him. And so we've seen the benefits, okay? And so chapter 1 gives you the benefits. Chapter 2 tells you to grow in our knowledge of the false prophets of Christ, okay? And so in a sense, he's saying, not only do I want you to know me, but I want you to know who I sent you to, okay? So look at chapter 2. In verse 1, the Bible says, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there should be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. That's a powerful scripture, excuse me. You know, I want you to think about this. The Bible tells us what last day's believers are going to look like. Okay, excuse me. Uh, In verse 1 there, he says, know your opposition. Okay, know your opposition. Notice a word I didn't use here. Okay. Any of y'all familiar with the book by Sun Tzu? What's it called? Somebody help me. Sun Tzu. Come on, somebody know do you know the name of the book, or is it just called Sun Tzu? <laughs> I forgot. How many of y'all have ever heard of Sun Tzu? Okay. I wish I could remember the book he wrote. He was a Japanese general, okay? The Art of War. The Art of War thank you, sir. It's called The Art of War. And um, he wrote basically how to become a successful general. And he says this. He says, know your enemy, and you need not fear the outcome of a thousand battles, Okay know your enemy and you need not fear the outcome of a thousand battles i didn't call them your enemy in verse one i did that on purpose okay you literally need to know your opposition okay is there a difference between opposition and an enemy yeah i uh I I was an old-time basketball fan, and so some of you may or may not know these names, but back in the day, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, they, they were competitors, okay? And back in the day when they didn't know each other, they hated each other until they made a basketball commercial together, and Larry Bird's mom invited them all for lunch. And after they had lunch together, they decided that they were both human beings, and to be quite honest with you, they're the best of friends today. Why? Because they, they didn't see each other's enemies anymore. You know, we're living in a world today where lost people, a lot of times Christians can take and look at them not just as the opposition, but look at them as the enemy. And can I tell you, there's a big difference in looking at somebody as the opposition, just somebody you're playing against, and somebody that you're an enemy. You hate, you, you, destroy, you want to destroy, they're trying to hurt you, you're trying to hurt them. And God doesn't want us to see our opposition like that. Notice again in verse 1 how he describes them. The Bible says, But there were false prophets also among the people, okay? Even as there shall be false teachers among you. And you know what he's saying? He's saying, Listen, there's always gonna be an opposition. There's always, there's always gonna be somebody speaking against what you believe and what you stand for, okay? But think about this they're not your enemy. Who is our enemy? The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12 that principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness and high places, folks, spiritual things are our enemy. The devil's our enemy. Amen. The Bible says our enemy, the devil walketh about as a roaring lion. He's our enemy. Amen. Not the ones that he's influenced or deceived or destroyed their lives. Amen. They're not the enemy. As a matter of fact, they're your potential brother. I want you to think about that. You ever think about this? The people sometimes that we're most, if you will, uh, disgusted by are literally our potential brother. Now I'm not bring, I'm not making this up. Go to First Corinthians chapter six, please. First Corinthians chapter six. And look at verse 9. And I'm not trying to be unkind, but please take this the right way. I think sometimes we give lip service to this verse. Because we forget what a dark world we live in. Amen. Let me be clear about something. I don't think a Christian ought to have anything to do with Halloween. Now, I've said that if they come to your door, you should give them a track and the best piece of candy you can. They came to your door, okay? But I would just say this. I don't think you ought to have anything to do with the devil's holiday. And the sad truth is, as Christians today, we had two people come to our door this year. It's the fewest we've ever had. We had two, well, two times they rang the bell. Anyhow. And I was thinking about why why weren't there more trick or treaters? And the reason is is I imagine most of them went to trunk or treat. And trunk or treat's usually held in church parking lots. And churches are becoming associated with Halloween. And it ought not be. I, I liked your post what you put the other day. Okay? It ought not be. But the sad truth is, is that is that the devil is taking over everything in our world. Amen. Okay. Well, notice what this verse says. The Bible says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves of mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. You know, a lot of people say, Well, those are the people we avoid. Can I tell you this? If Jesus would have avoided those people, nobody would ever go to heaven. I'm going to say amen. He didn't approve of the lifestyles of the, help me know, the, 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 the uh, publicans and the sinners. But he had compassion on them. Amen. Notice verse 11, unless you don't know it already. The Bible says, and such were some of you. Amen. And I always think it's important to add this. Somebody who's never been one of those things, and maybe you haven't. Can I tell you, a hard-hearted hypocrite's just as sinful as these are. Amen. And such were some of you, but you're washed, but you're sanctified, but you're justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus, by the Spirit of our God. They're our potential brother. They're not the enemy. They are the opposition. Now, I will tell you this, anybody who, who who practices these things or teaches these things, they are the opposition. They are the ones that we have to stand against. They are the ones that we have to minister to. They are the ones that we have to witness to. But they're not our enemy. But we do need to know their, their methods. Go back to our text, if you will, Second Peter. Look at verse 2 of chapter 2. And the Bible says, And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth is shall be evil spoken of. i got to ask you a question. Have you noticed how that the devil, once you get him figured out, changes tactics? Let me give you an illustration. I don't know how many of you all have been trained how to minister or deal with a Jehovah's Witness. But quite often, you would take them to different verses, one of which is uh, the, the beast and the false prophet were in the lake of fire for a thousand years. And then... Uh, Satan, a thousand years later, gets thrown into Lake of Fire where the beast and the false prophet are, because see they believe in annihilation and 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 so meaning that when you go to hell you just burn up and cease to exist. Well, that verse tells us no, it's not like that at all. They're still they're still there. And they're still suffering. And uh, anyhow, uh, a lot of times you'll take and you'll give them those verses. And so the Jehovah's Witness comes and you go, my preacher told me how to. How to witness to them, I am so ready. And you open your Bible and they have an answer. And then you don't know what to do. Why? Because have you ever noticed how the the, the enemy, once you figure out how to defeat them over here, they change tactics or change methods or change, y'all with me? Guys, that's exactly what that word pernicious ways means. Study, it's a very interesting word. It means they're plastic or they're moldable or they're always changing, okay? And can I just say this? Why do we need to keep learning more about Jesus? I'll tell you why. Because the devil and his tactics are always changing. You're going to need more than one bullet in your gun. You're going to need more than one method. You're going to need one, more than one verse, amen? You're going to need an entire artillery of ammunition to take and to minister to people today. Why? Because they continually are changing, and it's harder to take and to have an answer To every man that asketh you the hope that lieth within you. Amen. And so, if you will, you need to know your opposition. You need to know their message. Okay? The Bible talks about how they mock and how they intimidate. And and, uh, they use, if you will, lies, half-truths, intentional deceptions. Uh, Know their methods. know, Know if you will. Okay? By the way, have you ever witnessed to somebody and you know they're lying to you? Uh, let me give you an illustration. You knock on somebody's door. Hi, I'm from Liberty Baptist Church. We're just inviting people to church today. I'd love to have you come. Uh, what's your name, if you don't mind me asking? They tell you your name and say, Well, listen, uh, do you go to church? Well, no, I, I used to. I used to. I, done, I work now. I'm kind of busy. Okay. Well, have you ever trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Oh, yeah, yeah. I took care of that when I was seven. Oh, good, good. Have you ever been baptized? No. Do you ever attend church? No. No, Please take this the right way. Are they lying to you? Yeah, I'm okay. No, no, I took care of that. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Okay. And, and that's just one illustration, if you will, that, uh, that, that, that that's, that's the people who we've been called to go out to. And then know their motivations. Wicked people, what is their motivation? The Bible tells us. Look what the Bible says in verse 3. The Bible says, And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, uh, and their damnation slumbereth not. Okay, well... That verse 3, to make merchandise is to kind of sell you like a bill of goods, okay? They're trying to make profit from you, or or they're benefiting from you for some way. And, And by the way, it's a personal or a temporary benefit. What do I mean by that? Folks, I want you to know that many people in this world today, especially when they're in opposition to us, they're kind of like a drug addict, okay? I don't know if you know anything about drug addiction. But when people get to the very bottom, they'll literally steal... WHEN THEY COULD WORK A JOB, HAVE REGULAR INCOME, BUT NO, THEY'LL STEAL. WHY? BECAUSE THEY NEED THAT TEMPORARY FIX. AND THEIR WHOLE LIFE IS TO TAKE AND TO THINK ABOUT THE NEXT DRUG FIX. AND THEN AS SOON AS THEY GET THAT AND THEY RECOVER FROM ALL THAT, THEY'RE GOING TO THINK ABOUT THEIR NEXT DRUG FIX. AND THEN THEY'RE GOING TO THINK ABOUT, OKAY, YOU ALL UNDERSTAND THAT? It happens for an alcoholic, it happens to, it happens somebody with a cigarette. I, I promise you this, if somebody's smoking a cigarette, as soon as they put that one out, they're thinking about the next cigarette. If you know people who smoke, you know I'm telling you the truth, okay? And so if you will, that's the way people in this world are living their lives. They wanna get what they can from you until they get what they want, and then they're gonna start looking for the next thing so that they can get what they want, okay? By the way, how many of y'all think that's kind of a sad way to live? What do we do when we find somebody who's drug addicted? Well, we get them into rehab. Why? You can't live like this. You're going to die. And please take this the right way. What's going to happen to somebody who lives like that spiritually? Well, you're going to keep getting what you want until you can't get what you want, and then you're going to die. You all understand? We need to understand our enemy and understand their desperate situation, if you will. Because the next thing that we need to know is we need to know their condemnation. And I don't have time to preach it because it would be a whole message. But verses 4 through 22 talk about their condemnation. Let's just hit it real quick. The Bible says this. It says, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into the chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. And by the way, that applies to angels. That also applies to everybody who dies without Christ. Amen. You guys ever heard the illustration that if a lost person could just see hell for two seconds, they'd get saved? By the way, that's not true. But folks, get a hold of this. If a Christian could only get a view of hell for two seconds, I wonder if it would change our lives. Because, folks, he spends verses 4 through 22 talking about how judgment is sure and how God's already shown it. And they should have the ability to know it. All they got to do is remember Noah's flood and they know that God's serious about this thing. And he's not destroying next time with water. He's destroying next time with fire. Read it. And he says this, you need to know their condition. Can I, can I ask this and let's be honest. Can you all be honest? This is a Baptist church, we'll all be honest, right? Is it easier day by day to think more about yourself than to think about the people around you? It's very easy, isn't it? And God's saying, listen, in the last days, you need to know me. And in the last days, you need to know your opposition. By the way, you used to be like them. Amen. Amen. And then in chapter 3, he says this, you need to grow in your knowledge as believers for the last days. He says there's some last days things we need to do. Go to chapter 3. And just for sake of time, he he tells us what the last days are going to be like. And I'm going to go through this fast. If you want the notes, they're in the back. But in verses 3 through 6, he says that scoffers are going to be willingly ignorant. Help me for a second here. How many of you all think that gay people who are marching for the Palestinians are willingly ignorant? Mindy saw that on the news this morning. The first thing she said is, I mean, she was beside herself thinking, if they went to Palestine as gay people, what's the first thing that would happen to them? They'd have their heads cut off. Why? Because they don't tolerate that in Islam. And please take this the right way, but how ignorant do you have to be to take into march for something like that? Well, 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 we're just... uh, Wake up! How willingly ignorant can you be? And by the way, that means you choose not to know on purpose. Because it wouldn't take two seconds on the internet to figure out that they're condemned as soon as those people take over. That's absolute, tr- Folks, I don't know if you know this, but it was on the news here a little while back where somebody, uh, I, th- I can't remember where, but they had taken and pushed a gay push- person off a roof. It made national news. It was a big deal. And it was just simply because we will not have this in our... And they found out that they were gay and they pushed them off a roof. Willingly ignorant. You know what they're also willingly ignorant of? That they know there's a God. They know there's going to answer to them. And, and they still about their life their merry way can i just tell you this would god somebody would tell them why well we see their scoffers verses three through six verse seven their condemnation is sure verses eight and nine god's still willing that they wouldn't perish he's long suffering towards them not willing that any should perish how many is, god doesn't want anybody to perish how many of y'all know that amen and then in verse 10 they're going to if they don't repent. Amen. So last days, unbelievers, uh, all those things apply. For sake of time, I won't go over it again. But if we know that about them, then what kind of people should we be? God addresses it. And again, I'm, I'm reading this whole thing because I think it, it has more power by showing you the unity of this one book. So often we just, we just hit the scriptures and we don't see the unity of the book. Look what it says in verse 11. 2 Peter 3 and verse 11, the Bible says this. It says, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. He's talking about the judgment of the earth and everything. What manner of persons ought ye to be? Again, God doesn't ever ask a question he needs an answer to. He asks rhetorical questions. He's trying to get us to think. Okay? Well, knowing all these things, knowing all these things, what manner of people ought we to be? Well, I just sell it, tell you from the context of the book, we ought to be people who want to know more about Jesus. Amen? And, and if we did, then what would it do in us? We'll keep reading verse 11. The Bible says, uh, uh, it says, uh, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation? That's That means holy behavior. Or, and holy means different. Set apart. Set aside. Different. Acting different. Okay? And, uh, And godliness, you all see that? I want you to think about this. He wants us to be holy and godly. Listen to me, folks. As Christians, God wants us to be holy and godly. Can I ask you what the message in most of Christianity is today? From pulpits. Is we need to be more like everybody else so that we can be relevant in their lives. And can I just say this? You've read the book with me? God didn't say that. You know, He says, I want you to be different. How? How you behave, and how you talk, and what you love and what you hate. So often we just associate it with how we dress. But please take this the right way. If you'll get up every morning and ask God how you should dress, He'll give you an answer. You don't need me to tell you. I think it ought to be modest. I think it ought to be according to your gender. Amen. And by the way, we were fighting over minutia decades ago. Now today it's a very real issue where men dress like women and women dress like men. Amen. And it's confusion. Amen. And all because people got angry about saying, you know what, girls should dress like modest young ladies and young men you ought to dress like modest young men amen meaning what well if a girl needs to be covered men you need to be covered too amen God says this he says if you're going to make a difference in these last days you don't need to be like everybody else you need to be like me and you can't be like me unless you know who I am y'all see the power of this book This is not somebody pounding the pulpit and saying, do this or do that. Jesus is just saying, know me, and you'll know what you need to do in the last days. And we're in the last days. He He said you need to be holy and godly. Verse 12, the Bible says you need to be looking. I wonder how many of us are going to be caught by surprise. And I will promise you this, if you go just by ratios, even half of us are going to be caught by surprise. At least half of us. I think more than half of us will be caught by surprise. We need to be waiting for the fulfillment of his promises. Aren't you glad Jesus is going to fulfill all his promises? Amen. But folks, one of the promises is he's going to pour out his wrath on this earth. And I don't know about you, but I don't want my grandbabies going through it. And can I say this? I love their friends enough to say I don't want my grandbabies' friends going through it. Amen. <laughs> And then last of all, we need to be waiting for the fulfillment of all his promises. Verse 13. The Bible says in verse 13, notice what it says. It says, nevertheless, we according to his promise look for a new heaven and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, notice what it says, be diligent that you may be found in him. By the way, you can't be found in him if you don't know who he is. I'll see it. In peace. Without spot and blameless. And folks, in peace means don't be troubled. I told you what's going to happen. It's happening. Without spot means try not to be covered in sin. And by the way, if you sin, we have an advocate with the Father. He says, if you confess your sins, I'll be faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you. From all unrighteousness. That means stay prayed up. None of us are perfect, but we can have our sins forgiven, that we can be. And then blameless. That folks, that means not perfect, but that means having a good testimony. Okay? Having a good testimony in the community. And here's one of my concerns, and I'll be done. Quite often Christians don't have the world's best testimony. Maybe they're too good, or maybe they're not trying at all. You guys understand there's two extremes there, okay? But blameless. We got to be worried about our testimony. I'm going to say that again until I get more than one amen. We need to be worried about our testimony. Amen. Why? Because it's the last days. Well, what can we do about it? Look what it says in verse 15, and we'll be done. Verse 15, the Bible says this, and it says, An account that suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written also unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, Beware, lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. You know what he's saying? It basically he's taking you back to the beginning of the book. Well, you just you just keep reading and keep growing and keep becoming more like Jesus. Uh, folks, I, I told you I was going to preach an entire book. Can I encourage you to go back and read it for yourself? Because I'm telling you that there's some wonderful tools in here that we don't have time to develop, but these are the kind of things that we can grow in our knowledge of Jesus Christ so that we might make a difference. Amen. Father, we love you. We thank you for the privilege to open your word. And
1: thank you for
0: just a